Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the world of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 27 to 28 and in the previous episode we read chapters 25 to 26. And basically what had happened was the group had gone to the Marinostrum slash the Mediterranean Sea there are at least they're and they're trying to get through to the old headquarters which is essentially old Roman Greece but they have to pass this island in order to get through and this island is guarded by none other than the famous Hercules now Usually, we see that Hercules is a chill guy in the beginning. He's very straightforward. He, with his answers, pretty, um, pretty chill. Uh, doesn't have a vendetta against demigods. Uh, usually says that the quests he gives in order to get through the island and get past his island are usually pretty easy. However, all of that is messed up or thrown out the window when... The group mentions that they're on a quest sent by Hera. Now, quick uh, reminder, Hera is uh, Hercules' mortal enemy. Or just enemies, lifelong. Very, hate a lot of hatred enemies. So, because of that, Hercules immediately develops this vendetta or prejudice against the group just because they're on a quest sent by Hera. Uh, really follows the the quote of uh, a friend of my enemy is a is also my enemy um but even though they don't even like Hera either but he completely ignores that and unfortunately gives them a v- extremely hard quest to do to go to the opposite side of the island to find this monster named Aeclus and get one of his horns so and it has to be before sundown. So, we will read chapters 27 to see how, and 28 to see how this fares out. And hopefully that they survive. So, on with the show. Chapter 27, Piper. The Hercules Guide to the Mare Nostrum didn't help much with snakes and mosquitoes. If this is a magic island, Piper grumbled. Why couldn't it be a nice magic island? They charmed up a hill and down into a heavily wooded valley, careful to avoid the black and red striped snakes sunning themselves on the rocks. Mosquitoes swarmed over stagnant ponds in the lowest areas. The trees were mostly stunted olives, cypress, and pines. The cheering of the cicadas and the oppressive heat reminded Piper of the reds in Oklahoma during the summer. So far, they hadn't found any river. We could fly, Jason suggested again. We might miss something, Piper said. Besides, I'm not sure I want to drop in on an unfriendly god. What was his name? Etch-a-sketch? A- Aeclus. Jason was trying to read the guidebook while they walked, so he kept running into trees and stumbling over rocks. Says here is a potamus. He's a hippopotamus? No, potamus. A river god. According to this, he's the spirit of some river in Greece. Since we're not in Greece, let's assume he's moved. Piper said. Doesn't bode well for how useful that book is going to be. Anything else? Says Hercules fought him one time. Jason offered. Hercules fought 99% of everything in ancient Greece. Yeah, let's see. Pillars of Hercules. Jason flipped a page. Says here this island has no hotels, no restaurants, no transportation, attractions, Hercules and 
two pillars. Huh, this is interesting. Supposedly, the dollar sign, you know, the S with the two lines through it, that came from the Spanish coat of arms, which show the pillars of Hercules with the banner curling between them. Great, Piper thought. Jason finally gets along with Annabeth, and our brainiac tendencies start rubbing off on, on him. Anything helpful? She asked. Wait, here's a tiny reference to Achilles. This river god fought Hercules for the hand of a beautiful Dianera. During the struggle, Hercules broke off one of the river god's horns, which became the first corn- cornucopia. Corn of what? It's that Thanksgiving decoration, Jason said. The horn with all the goodies spilling out. We, we have some in the mess hall at Camp Jupiter. I didn't know the original one was actually some guy's horn. And we're supposed to take his other one. Piper said, I'm guessing that won't be so easy. Who was Dianera? Hercules married her, Jason said. I think. Doesn't say here, but I think something bad happened to her. Piper remembered what Hercules had told him. His first family, dead. His second wife, dead, after being tricked into poisoning him. She was liking this challenge less and less. They trudged across a ridge between two hills, trying to stay in the shade, but Piper was already soaked with perspiration. The mosquito toes... The mosquitoes left welts on her ankles, arms, and neck, so she probably looked like a smallpox victim. She'd finally gotten some alone time with Jason, and this was how they spent it. She was irritated with Jason for having mentioned Hera, but she knew she shouldn't blame him. Maybe she was just irritated with him in general. Ever since Cap Jupiter, she'd been carrying a lot of worry and resentment. She wondered what Hercules had wanted to tell her about the sons of Zeus. They couldn't be trusted? They were under too much pressure? Piper tried to imagine Jason becoming a god when he died, standing on some beach guarding the gates to an ocean long after Piper and everyone else he knew in his mortal life were dead. She wondered if Hercules had ever been as positive as Jason, more upbeat, confident, quick to comfort. It's hard to picture. As they hiked down into the next valley, Piper wondered what was happening back on the Argo II. She was tempted to send an Iris message, but Hercules had warned them not to contact their friends. She hoped Annabeth could guess what was going on and didn't try to send another party ashore. Piper wasn't sure what Hercules would do if he were bothered further. She imagined Coach Hedge getting impatient and aiming a ballista at the man in purple or Eidolons possessing the crew and forcing them to commit suicide by Hercules. Piper shuddered. She didn't know what time it was, but the sun was already starting to sink. How had the day passed so quickly? She would welcome sundown for the cooler temperatures, except it was also their deadline. A cool night breeze wouldn't mean much if they were dead. Besides, tomorrow was July 1st, the calence of July. If their information was correct, it would be Nico D'Angelo's last day of life, and the day Rome was destroyed. Stop, Jason said. Piper wasn't sure what was wrong. Then she realized she could hear running water up ahead. They crept through the trees and found themselves on the bank of a river. It was maybe 40 feet wide, but only a few inches deep. A silver sheet of water racing over a smooth bed of stones. A few yards downstream, the rapids plunged into a dark blue swimming hole. Something about the river bothered her. The cicadas in the tree had gone quiet. No birds were chirping as if it was as if the water was giving a lecture and would only allow its own voice. But the more Piper listened, the more inviting the river seemed. She wanted to take a drink. Maybe she should take off her shoes. Her feet could really use a soak. And that swimming hole? It'd be so nice to jump in with Jason, relax in the shade of the trees, floating in the nice cool water. So romantic.
Piper shook herself. These thoughts weren't hers. Something was wrong. It was almost felt it almost felt like the river was charm speaking. Jason sat on a rock and started taking off his shoes. He grinned at the swimming hole like he couldn't wait to get in. Cut it out! Piper yelled at the river. Jason looked startled. Cut what out? Not you, Piper said. Him. She felt silly pointing at the water, but she was certain it was working some sort of magic, swaying their feelings. Just when she thought she had lost it and Jason would tell her so, the river spoke. Forgive me. Singing is... Forgive me. Singing is one of the few pleasures I have left. A figure emerged from the swimming hole as if rising on an elevator. Piper's shoulders tensed. It was the creature she'd seen in her knife blade. The bull with the human face. His skin was as blue as the water. His hooves levitated on the river's surface. At the top of his bovine neck was the head of a man with short, curly black hair. A beard done in ringlets, ancient Greek style. Deep, mournful eyes behind bifocal glasses. And a mouth that seemed set in a permanent pout. Spouting from the left side of his head was a single bull's horn. A curved black and white one, like warriors might turn into drinking cups. The, imbal- the imbalance made his he- head tilt to the left, so that look- he looked like he was trying to get water out of his ear. Hello, he said sadly. Come to kill me, I suppose. Jason put his shoes back on and stood slowly. Um, well. No, Piper intervened. I'm sorry. This is embarrassing. We didn't want to bother you, but Hercules sent us. Hercules, the bull man sighed. His hooves pawed the water as if ready to charge. To me, he'll always be Heracles. That's his Greek name, you know. The glory of Hera. (laughs) Funny name, Jason said, since he hates her. Indeed, the bull man said. Perhaps that's why he didn't protest when the Romans renamed him Hercules. Of course, that's the name most people know him by. His brand, if you will. Hercules is nothing if not image conscious. The bullman spoke with bitterness but familiarity, as if Hercules was an old friend who had lost his way. You're Atlas? Piper asked. The bullman bent his front legs and lowered his head in a bow, which Piper found both sweet and a little sad. At your service, river god extraordinaire, once the spirit of the mightiest river in grace, now sentenced to dwell here, on the opposite side of the island from my old enemy. Oh, the gods are cruel. But whether they put us so close together to punish me or Hercules, I have never been sure. Piper wasn't sure what he meant, but the background noise of the river was invading her mind again, reminding her how hot and thirsty she felt, how pleasant a nice swim would be. She tried to focus. I'm Piper, she said. This is Jason. We don't want to fight. It's just a Heracles. Hercules. Whoever he is. God mad at us and sent us here. She explained about their quest to the ancient lands to stop the giants from waking Gaia. She described how their team of Greeks and Romans had come together and how Hercules had thrown a temper tantrum when he found out Hera was behind it. Aklas kept tipping his head to the left, so Piper wasn't sure if he was dozing off or dealing with one horn fatigue. When he was done, Aklas regarded her as if she were developing a regrettable skin rash. Ah, my dear, the legends are true, you know. The spirits, the water cannibals. Piper had to fight back a whimper. She didn't tell Aklas anything about that. How? River gods know many things. 
he said. Alas, you are focusing on the wrong story. If you had made it Rome, the story of the flood would have served you better. Piper? Jason asked. What's he talking about? Her thoughts were suddenly as jumbled as the kaleidoscope glass. The story of the flood, if you had made it to Rome. I, I'm not sure. She said through the mention of a sto- flood story rang a distant bell. Aklas, I don't understand. No, you don't. The river god sympathized. Poor thing, another girl stuck with the son of Zeus. Ooh, wait a minute, Jason said. It's Jupiter, actually. And how does that make her a poor thing? Aklas ignored him. My girl, do you know the cause of my fight with Hercules? It was over a woman, Piper recalled. Dianera? Yes, Aklas heaved a sigh. And do you know what happened to her? Uh, Piper glanced at Jason. He took out his guidebook and began flipping through pages. It doesn't really... Aklas snorted indignantly. What is that? Jason blinked. Just... The Hercules Guide to Mare Nostrum? He gave us the guidebook, so... That is not a book, Aklas insisted. He gave you that just to get under my skin, didn't he? He knows I hate those things. You hate books? Piper asked. Bah! Aklas's face flushed, turning his blue skin eggplant purple. That's not a book. He pawed the water. A scroll shot from the river like a miniature rocket and landed in front of him. He nudged it open with his hooves. The weathered yellow parchment unfurled, covered with faded Latin script and elaborate hand-drawn pictures. This is a book, Aklas said. Oh, the smell of sheepskin. The elegant feel of the scroll unrolling beneath my hooves. You simply can't duplicate in something like that. He nodded indignantly at the guidebook in Jason's hands. You young folks today and your newfangled gadgets. Bound pages, little compact squares of text that are not hoof-friendly. That's a bound book, a B-book if you must, but it's not a traditional book. It'll never replace the good old-fashioned scroll. Uh, I'll just put this away for now. Jason says, slipped the guidebook into his back pocket the way he might holster a dangerous weapon. Aklas seemed to calm down a little, which was a relief to Piper. She didn't need to get run over by a one-horned bull with a scroll obsession. Now, Aklas said, tapping a picture on his scroll, this is Dianera. Piper knelt down to look. The hand-painted portrait was small, but she could tell the woman had been very beautiful. With long, dark hair, dark eyes, and a playful smile that probably drove guys crazy. Princess of Caledon, the river god said mournfully. She was promised to me until Hercules butted in. He insisted on combat. And he broke off your horn? Jason guessed. Yes, Aklas said. I could never forgive him for that. Horribly uncomfortable having only one horn, but the situation was worse for poor Dianera. She could have had a had she could have had a long happy life married to me. A man-headed bull, Piper said, who lives in a river. <sighs> exactly, Aklas agreed. It seems impossible she would refuse, eh? <laughs> Instead, she went off with Hercules. She picked the handsome, flashy hero over the good, faithful husband, who would have treated her well. What happened next? Well, she should have known. Hercules was too much wrapped up in his own problems to be a good husband. He had already murdered one wife, you know, Hera Kirsten, so he flew into a rage and killed his entire family. Horrible business. That's why he had to do those twelve labors as penance. 
Piper felt appalled. Wait, Hera made him crazy? And Hercules had to do the penance? Aklas shrugged. The Olympians never seem to pay for their crimes, and Hera has always hated the sons of Zeus. Or Jupiter. He glanced distrustfully at Jason. At any rate, my poor Dianera had a tragic end. She became jealous of Hercules' many affairs. He gallivanted all over the world, you see, just like his father Zeus, flirting with every woman he met. Finally, Dianera got so desperate she listened to bad advice. A crafty centaur named Nestius told her that if she wanted Hercules's to, Hercules to be faithful forever, she should spread some centaur blood on the inside of Hercules' favorite shirt. Unfortunately, Nessus was lying because he wanted revenge on Hercules. Dionir followed his instructions, but instead of making Hercules a faithful husband. Centaur blood is like acid, Jason said. Yes, Aquas said. Hercules died a painful death. When Dionir realized what she'd done, she... The river god drew a line across his neck. That's awful. Piper said. And the moral, my dear? Aklas said. Beware the sons of Zeus. Piper couldn't look at her boyfriend. She wasn't sure she could mask the uneasiness in her eyes. Jason would never be like Hercules, but the story played into all her fears. Hera had manipulated their relationship just as she had manipulated Hercules. Piper wanted to believe that Jason could go, never go into a murderous frenzy like Her- Hercules had. Then again, only four days ago, he had been controlled by an Eidolon and almost killed Percy Jackson. Hercules is a god now, Aklas said. He married Hebe, Hebe, the youth goddess, but still he's rarely at home. He dwells on here, this island, guarding those silly pillars. He says Zeus makes him do this, but I think he prefers being here to Mount Olympus, nursing his bitterness and mourning his mortal life. My presence reminds him of his failures, especially the woman who finally killed him. And his presence reminds me of poor Dianera, who could have been my wife. The bullman tapped the scroll, which rolled itself up and sank into the water. Hercules wants my other horn in order to humiliate me, Aklas said. Perhaps it would make him feel better about himself, knowing that I am miserable too. Besides, the horn would become a cornucopia. Good food and uh, good food and drink would flow from it, just as my power causes the river to flow. No doubt Hercules would keep the cornucopia for himself. It would be a tragedy and a waste. Piper suspected the noise of the river, and the drowsy sound of Aklas's voice was still affecting her thoughts. She couldn't help agreeing with the river god. She was starting to hate Hercules. This poor bullman seemed so sad and lonely. Jason stirred. I'm sorry. Aklas, honestly, you've gotten a bum deal. But maybe, well, without the other horn, you might not be so lopsided. It might feel better. Jason! Piper protested. Jason held up his hands. Just a thought. Besides, I don't see we have many options or choices. If Hercules doesn't get that horn, he'll kill us and our friends. He's right, Aklas has said. You have no choice, which is why I hope you'll forgive me. Piper frowned. The river gods sounded so heartbroken she wanted to pat his head. Forgive you for what? I have no choice either, Aklas said. I have to stop you. The river exploded and a wall of water crashed over Piper. And that's the end of chapter 27. Wow, that was certainly a very emotional 
and intense part of the story. I think most of most of the bits that we've heard about, including Hercules, or I think the ones where I guess you can kind of use the you can think of it as if saying nobody's perfect, right? Not even the gods. And seeing what Hera does, right, through emotion and jealousy. It's the fact that you start on, I think, that understanding of, you know, everyone has their own flaws, whether it's emotional or just, you know, emotional or just anything else in general. It's just everyone has their flaws. And even in someone as powerful as Hera, she still has the emotion of jealousy that can overtake her. These emotions are such so strong that she just can't hold it back. And I think that's something that's really important and really fascinating that we have explored in these past few chapters because yes, it is explored a little bit in the past few chapters before this episode and last episode, but it's more of relationship-based building relationships still trying to make the group come together and kind of settle their differences in a way but this is just really more about reliving the things that Hera has done in her past and what she continues to do now it makes you almost think that the emotions that overtake Hera could that possibly make her a villain in this story because what exactly is the definition of a villain right is it just someone who's been painted as bad from the beginning or has been painted as supposed to be the villain from the beginning like Gaia or is it someone who just does inherently wrongful actions whether the emotions overtake them whether it's an whether it's greed for power greed for anything what really determines being a villain and could Hera possibly fall into that because when we start recapping all of the things that she's done to the demigods like the the seven demigods in this group or the things that she has done to other people as well like Hercules it just makes you start wondering those kind of things so I think this chapter and I think this this chapter has really given us a perspective into that and really the fact that like the people not people but like the characters in the story who were originally painted as bad or goods i mean could they also be seen as bad could they possibly even not have been good people from the beginning just because their reputation proves that they are good so yeah, that's uh, pretty much it about... that's th- Those are my thoughts about this story. But yeah, I hope uh, my pronunciations were a tad bit okay. Uh, still practicing on those, so I still hope it still goes pretty well. But after this uh, chap... After this... Or after this non-existent ad break, uh, go grab a snack, go... Uh, do whatever you need to do, but make sure you come back for the next part of this episode. So, after this non-existent break, we'll read chapter 28, Piper.
And we're back from the ads, and now we're going to read chapter 29, Piper. The current grabbed her like a fist and pulled her into the deep. Struggling was useless. She clamped her mouth shut, forcing herself not to inhale, but she could barely keep from panicking. She couldn't see anything but a torrent of bubbles. She could only hear her own thrashing and the dull roar of the rapids. She just about decided that this was how she would die, drowning in a swimming hole on an island that didn't exist. Then, as suddenly as she'd been pulled under, she was thrust to the surface. She found herself at the center of the whirlpool, able to breathe but unable to break free. A few yards away, Jason broke the surface and gasped, his sword in one hand. He swung wildly, but there was nothing to attack. Twenty feet to Piper's right, Achilles rose from the water. I'm really sorry about this, he said. Jason lunged toward him, summoning the winds to lift him out of the water, but Achilles was quicker and more powerful. A curl of water slammed into Jason and sent him under once more. Stop it! Piper screamed. Using charm speak wasn't easy when she was floundering in a whirlpool, but she got Achilles' attention. I'm afraid I can't stop, said the river god. I can't let Hercules have my other horn. It would be mortifying. There's another way! Piper said, you don't have to kill us. Jason clawed his way to the surface again. A miniature storm cloud formed over his head. Thunder boomed. None of that, son of Jupiter. Achilles chided. If you call lightning, you'll just electrocute your girlfriend. The water pulled Jason under again. Let him go! Piper charged a voice with all the persuasiveness she could muster. I promise I won't let Hercules get the horn. Achilles hesitated. He centered over to her, her head tilting to his head tilting to the left. I believe you mean that. I do, Piper promised. Hercules is despicable. But please, first let my friend go. The water churned where Jason had gone under. Piper wanted to scream. How much longer could he hold his breath? Achilles looked down at her through his bifocals. His expression softened. I see. You be my Dianera. You would be my bride to compensate for my loss. What? Piper wasn't sure if she'd heard him right. The whirlpool was literally making her head spin. Uh, actually, I was thinking, oh, I understand, Aklas said. You were too modest to suggest this in front of your boyfriend. You are right, of course. I would treat you much better than a son of Zeus would. I could make things right after all these centuries. I could not save Dianera, but I could save you. Had it been 30 seconds now? A minute? Jason couldn't hold out much longer. You would have to let your friends die, Eccles continued. Hercules would be angry, but I can protect you from him. We could be quite happy together. Let's start by letting that Jason fellow drown, eh? Piper could barely hold it together, but she had to concentrate. She masked her fear and her anger. She was a child of Aphrodite. She had to use the tools she was given. She smiled as sweetly as she could and raised her arms. Lift me up, please. Aglis' face brightened. He grabbed Piper's hands and pulled her out of the whirlpool. She'd never ridden a bull before, but she'd practiced bareback pegasus riding at Camp Half-Blood, and she remembered what to do. She used her momentum, swinging one leg over Aglis' back, then she locked her ankles around his neck, wrapped one arm around his throat, and drew his knife, her knife, with the other. She pressed the blade under the river god's chin. Let Jason go. She put all her force into the command. Now! Piper realized there were many flaws in her plan. The river god might simply dissolve into water, or he could pull her out under and wait for her to drown. But apparently her charm speak worked. Or maybe Carl Achilles 
was just too surprised to think straight. Probably wasn't used to pretty girls threatening to cut his throat. Jason shot out of the water like a human cannonball. He broke through the branches of an olive tree and tumbled onto the grass. That couldn't have felt good, but he struggled to his feet, gasping and coughing. He raised his sword, and the dark clouds thickened over the river. Piper shot him a warning look. Not yet. She still had to get out of this river without drowning or getting electrocuted. Aglas arched his back as if contemplating a trick. Piper pressed the knife harder against his throat. Be a good bull, she warned. You promised, Aglas said through gritted teeth. You promised Hercules wouldn't get my horn. And he won't, Piper said, but I will. She raised her knife and slashed off the god's horn. The celestial bronze cut through the base like it was wet clay. Aklas bellowed in rage before he could recover. Piper stood up on his back. With the horn in one hand and her dagger in the other, she leaped for the shore. Jason! she yelled. Thank the gods, he understood. A gust of wind caught her and carried her safely over the bank. Piper hit the ground, rolling as the hairs on her neck stood up. A metallic smell filled the air. She turned toward the river in time to be blinded. Boom! Lightning stirred the water into a boiling cauldron, steaming and hissing with electricity. Piper blinked the yellow spots out of her eyes as the god Aklas wailed and dissolved beneath the surface. His horrified expression seemed to be asking, How could you? Jason, run! She was still dizzy and sick with fear, but she and Jason crashed through the woods. As she climbed the hill, clasping the bull's horn to her chest, Piper realized she was sobbing. She wasn't, though she wasn't sure if it was from fear or relief or shame for what she'd done to the old river god. They didn't slow down until they reached the crest of the hill. Piper felt silly, but she kept breaking down and crying as she told Jason what had happened while he was struggling underwater. Piper, you had no choice, he put his hand on her shoulder. You saved my life. She wiped her eyes and tried to control herself. The sun was nearing the horizon. They had to get back to Hercules quickly, or their friends would die. Aklas forced your hand, Jason continued. Besides, I doubt that lightning bolt killed him. He's an ancient god. You'd have to destroy his river to destroy him, and he can live without a horn. If you had to lie about not giving it to Hercules, well... I wasn't lying. Jason stared at her. Pipes. We don't have a choice. Hercules will kill. Hercules? doesn't deserve this. Piper wasn't sure where this rage was coming from, but she had never felt more certain of anything in her life. Hercules was a bitter, selfish jerk. He hurt way too many people, and he wanted to keep on hurting them. Maybe he'd had some bad breaks, maybe the gods had kicked him around, but that didn't excuse it. A hero couldn't control the gods, but he should be able to control himself. Jason would never be like that. He would never blame others for his problems or make a grudge more important than doing the right thing. Piper was not going to repeat Dianira's story. She wasn't going to go along with what Hercules wanted just because he was handsome and strong and scary. He couldn't get his way this time, not after threatening their lives and sending them to make Aklas miserable for the sake of spiting Hera. Hercules didn't deserve a horn of plenty. Piper was going to put him in his place. I have a plan, she said. She told Jason what to do. She didn't even realize she was using charm speak until his eyes glazed over. Whatever you say, he promised. Then he blinked a few times. We're gonna die. But I'm in. Hercules was radiant, waiting right where they left him. He was staring at the Argo II, docked between the two the pillars as the sun set behind it. The ship looked okay, but Piper's plan had started to feel insane to her. Too late to reconsider, she'd already sent an Iris message to Leo. Jason was prepared, and seeing Hercules again, 
She felt more certain than ever she couldn't give him what he wanted. Hercules didn't exactly brighten when he saw Piper carrying the bull's horn, but his scowl lines all lessened. Good, he said. You got it. In that case, you're free to go. Piper glanced at Jason. You heard him. He gave us permission. She turned back to the god. That means our ship will be able to pass into the Mediterranean? Yes, yes. Hercules snapped his fingers. Now the horn. No, Piper said. The god frowned. <laughs> Excuse me? She raised the cornucopia. She cut it from Aklis's head. The horn had hollowed it out, becoming smooth and dark on the inside. It ended up pure magical, but Piper was counting on his power. Aklis was right, she said. You're his curse as much as he is yours. You're a sorry excuse for a hero. Hercules stared at her as if she were speaking in Japanese. You realize I could kill you with a flick of my finger, he said. I could throw my club at your ship and cut straight through its hull. I could... You could shut up, Jason said. He drew his sword. Maybe Zeus is different from Jupiter, because I wouldn't put up with any brother that acts like you. The veins on Hercules' neck turned as purple as his robes. You would not be the first demigod I've killed. Jason is better than you, Piper said. But don't worry. We're not going to fight you. We're going to leave this island with the horn. You don't deserve it as a prize. I'm going to keep it to remind me of what not to be like as a demigod and to remind me of poor Achilles and Dianera. The god's nostrils flared. Do not mention that name. You can't seriously think I'm worried about your puny boyfriend. No one is stronger than me. I didn't say stronger, Piper corrected. I said he's better. Piper pointed at the mouth of the horn at Hercules's, of her, at Hercules. She let go of the resentment and doubt and anger she'd been harboring since Camp Jupiter. She concentrated on all the good things she'd shared with Jason Grace. Soaring upward in the Grand Canyon, walking on the beach at Camp Half-Blood, holding hands at the sing-along and watching the stars sitting by the strawberry fields together on lazy afternoons and listening to the satyrs play their pipes. She thought about a future when the giants would had been defeated. Gaia was asleep and they would live happily together. No jealousy, no monsters left to battle. She filled her heart with those thoughts, and she felt the cornucopia grow warm. The horn blasted forth a flood of food as powerful as Aklis's river. A torrent of fresh fruit, baked goods, and smoked hands completely buried Hercules. Piper didn't understand how all that stuff could fit through the entrance of the horn, but she thought the hams were especially appropriate. When it had spewed out enough goodies to fill a house, the horn had shut itself off. Piper heard Hercules shrieking and struggling somewhere underneath. Apparently, even the strongest god in the underworld could be caught off guard when buried under fresh produce. Go, she told Jason, who'd forgotten his part of the plan and was staring in amazement at the fruit pile. Go! He grabbed Piper's waist and summoned the wind. They shot away from the island so quickly, Piper almost got whiplash, but it wasn't a second too soon. As the island retreated from view, Hercules' head broke above the mound of goodies. Half a coconut was stuck on his noggin like a head, like a war helmet. Kill! He bellowed, like he had a lot of practice saying it. Jason touched down on the deck of the Argo II. Thankfully, Leo had done his part. The ship's oars were already in aerial mode. The anchor was up. Jason summoned a gale so strong it pushed them into the sky, while Percy sent a ten-foot-tall wave against the shore, knocking Hercules down a second time in a cascade of seawater and pineapples. By the time the god regained his feet and started lobbying coconuts at them from far below, the Ark of the Second was already sailing through the clouds above the Mediterranean. And that's the end of chapter 29. 29? 20? 20? I believe it's 29.
me just double check. I think it's 29. It is 29. Yes, it is 29. I was right. <laughs> or 20. Yes, 28. Anyway, <laughs> I think this chapter was certainly very. Yes, 28. 28. I think this chapter was certainly very fascinating because we saw how much emotion can go into convincing a person. I think um, the usage of pathos um, was really strong, especially in the last chapter that we read, because Hercules had initially come up with his story of his vendetta against Hera, what Hera had done to him, why there was a vendetta against Hera for him. He kind of went into an explanation about that. And then you went and heard about Achilles' uh, side of the story. And it was more of, at least for Piper, I believe, since she is the daughter of Aphrodite, and Aphrodite is all about, you know, love and emotion and all of that. I think emotion is what proves to be her advantage and also her disadvantage. It's something that gives her something to push for, something that she has a stand on or at least a better grasp on than compared to others, but it also is something that holds her back. Because of her ability to charm speak, she's able to alter other people's emotions. But when it comes to her own emotions, they're not able to be, let's just say, as regulated because we could see a variety of emotions going through Piper's head as she was listening to both of the stories. And there was a moment, I think, there there was a moment of confusion because obviously both have meaning to them. But then Piper ultimately chose Aklis's version to believe. And that ultimately could have meant that, you know, Hercules's may or may not have been true. But it all depended on... I guess, the amount of impact, the amount of emotional impact that Piper faced when she was listening to both of these stories. And it's really fascinating to see how much of an impact that emotion can have when persuading someone or at least telling someone something and how well it can leave an impact on a person. So I think this chapter really was able to highlight that and able to highlight, you know, how someone's decision-making skills even goes afterwards after going through these processes of emotional situations so yeah i think this definitely was uh, a different twist to what we usually see with all um with usually the topic of relationship building between the seven trying to make their bond go grow stronger so that by the time they face gaia they're all buddy buddy and best friends <laughs> but I think this definitely brought on a new perspective and definitely another theme as well to this book that is so crucial for us to understand that I think is, you know, is what one of the great things about this book is that it's not just about Greek mythology, but it also gives us, you know, themes and kind of morals for life to f- apply in life. So I think that that's something that's really fascinating for me to look at. Um, I have been reading you guys, y'all's feedback and, um, regarding reading extra chapters, I think, um, it is a wonderful idea. Um, although I may not have been able to do it this episode, I will definitely consider doing it in future episodes where the chapters are maybe significantly less. Um, I might throw in an extra chapter there. 
so i will definitely take that into account um but yeah uh, i just want to say thank you guys for listening to this episode thank you guys for giving feedback thank you guys for everything that you guys do um but yeah uh if one more thing before we sign out uh if you wanted to show some extra support totally optional but you can go ahead to and go check out the description of my podcast which is linked to which has the link to a patreon um to, again totally optional uh but if you want to just social support i would really appreciate it from the bottom of my heart um but other than that i think until next week and in general uh we will continue seeing more of how this is going to fare out in regards to both emotional situations and relationships and but until then uh and in general I I hope you all stay safe and stay out of boredom.